Hey guys and welcome to my first podcast. I'm a bit excited about this but the whole point of me doing a podcast is to share my knowledge, answer questions that I get quite regularly and expand it worldwide so that anywhere someone who has the podcast app can feel like they belong. So the title of my podcast is Potty Mouth Spiritual Gangster. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, if you're in the car with kids, I'm not the person you put on speakerphone. That is my disclaimer and my warning. Also, anything that you hear in this podcast is not used for financial, medical. It's just advice given and it's for entertainment purposes only. So please use that disclaimer at your discretion. Okay, so the question I get mainly asked is, have you always been this way? And no, I haven't. I haven't been psychic. I haven't been a medium. I haven't, I've been pretty much a muggle until I was about 27. Like, don't get me wrong. I loved going to see psychics and have my cards read and all that sort of stuff. And I had a packet of cards myself, which I hid under my bed. Um, But I never really knew what I was capable of or what I could do. So I, oh, it's such a good story. Um, so I was working as a business development manager in a telco technology company. I worked for people like Sony, uh, Optus, Boost and Virgin for people who know who they are in Australia. Um, and I was the business development manager for that, I also ran majority of Queensland and was a sales rep for Sony and all that sort of stuff. So I worked in the telco industry and the technology field. And it's really funny because it was so consumer driven, like, let's get the new one. Let's get the new one that it's like, I literally reject that lifestyle now. It's such an interesting play on how I got there. But I worked for this amazing company for seven years and they were like a family, family run company. And... James and Donna, they are just angels in human form and they treated me like I was their daughter. And if like James was the only person who could make me cry (laughs) when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, because he's like, are you okay? And just in his voice, it was just pure care. And these people were amazing to work for and I loved absolutely working for their company. And through no fault of theirs, um, the contract we had with the telco um, was pulled and the whole company had to go um, put into receivership and we all lost our jobs. I had this inkling and I just couldn't explain it, this gut instinct that it was time to leave and I was doing blogging and all this other stuff at the time. I was sponsored by a big protein, protein sort of sports supplement place in Australia So I was gaining income from that and all this sort of stuff. So I just kind of asked them, like, is it easier for you if I leave now? And James and I had a really honest chat and he goes, look, you'll really help me out. So I ended up leaving. I was the first one to go and I was the only person to get my payout because the company just couldn't afford to, that the government took care of them about 12 months later. So I was the only person to get my redundancy, my holidays and everything out, which was about $8,000. Uh, which in turn paid for a trip to America that I had already booked because I was talking to a guy over there who he was a power lifter, he was a big meathead, he was everything I thought I wanted. Um, so I manifested the most perfect lesson in him 
And so I kind of went, this is a sign. They're just getting rid of my job so that I can make it easier for when I move to America. Pardon me. And then I went to the CrossFit Games as a spectator uh, for two weeks. And then the other part of that, I went to Memphis to meet Jim. And I just caught like, I think they call it the red eye where you go overnight. And I hugged Jim at the airport and felt nothing. I literally hugged him and felt nothing. And because of the scenario it had been in, I was like, ignore your heart, listen to your mind. No, we've flown across this. You've invested six months of your life. Like, no, 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 we're going to make this work. And so even then we had no sexual chemistry whatsoever. It was, oh, I was so bad. I can't even go into detail. It was not good. We just like, we're two mates and there was no throw you against the wall, have my way with you experience. It was very bad. <laughs> the easiest way to describe that. Um, so I spent eight days, 10 days, I don't know, um, with someone who I didn't feel anything for. And it was just, it was heartbreaking, but it was like, as someone who never cried, I'm like, I just, I need to autopilot this and then get home. So I came home to nothing. I came home to my parents who were away. So I came home to an empty house. Um, I sat there and just lost it like a crazy person. And I had to sit there and realize that I'd put all my eggs in this basket and I had to sit and unpack my basket. And then I saw this beautiful video by Courtney Olsen. If you don't know who she is, she can crush watermelons with her quads. She's in the Guinness World Records or something for it. She was starting a new thing called Camp Confidence and it was designed for girls from 13 to 17 to have that unwavering, I don't give a fuck what you think of me kind of attitude and to help girls, especially with the rise rise of self-harm and low self-esteem and all the shit that came with that. She started this camp and so I got in touch with her and ended up volunteering for them for a couple of months. And then while we were at like a mock camp, going through the exercises, it became abundantly clear that I had an eating disorder and I, it was decided from Courtney that it was my, my time to heal myself, not to try and take on other people's shit. So I took a step back and I started talking to a clinical psychologist about my problems. And if you have an eating disorder or any kind of addiction it's like you do it because you're numb pain because you don't want to talk about your feelings so sitting there across from someone going let's talk about your feelings I'm like like fuck I'm going to talk to you about my feelings I don't trust you you're not getting shit so it was just an absolute waste of my time in the nicest way possible and then I ended up going to a place called Overeaters Anonymous yes it is a thing I thought someone was taking the piss the first time they taught me um it has the same understanding and makeup of AA so it runs to the same principles the 12 steps all that sort of stuff so it is um it is how does one describe it is religion based and if anyone knew me back then I was an atheist and I shunned any form of higher power I was raised extremely atheist I was taken out of religion at school so to have someone go give your fears of like eating something to God I'm literally sitting there listening to these people speak going are you fucking serious 
what what's God going to do? Come down and slap a donut out of my hand while I'm going to put it in my mouth? Like I was literally like, you guys are fucking nuts. And I just, <laughs> it went for half an hour and this chick's like, I'll be your sponsor. I'm like, don't fucking bother because I'm not coming back. Um, and then I sat there and it's so funny because this is so intuitive, but I didn't connect it at the time. I just sat there and I'm like, like, give me some help. Like the shit you're offering me is not helping me at all. And so I was on Instagram and I saw a girl I went to high school with and we'd been really good friends on and off since high school. And she was renowned for deleting her social media. And then she would find me like a year later. So it was, that's kind of how we rolled. Um, her name's Jessica Clark and she had, I don't even know how many fans she had on Instagram. It was probably like a hundred thousand fans. She is a, an alternative model with tattoos on her face. So she was extremely well known. She, she, we were laughing about this morning. She is a Leo. She's a 33 six. So she commands a lot of attention even when she didn't have tattoos on her face. Like people stop and stare at her. Her, like her energy is contagious. And she'd done this post about how she had overcome drinking, issues with drinking. And I was just like, oh my God, I need to get in contact with her because she's got the answer I need. So I sat there and I remember saying out loud, Jessica, I need you. Like, I need you, Jessica, I need you. And then the next day on my blog, she sent me a message going, hey, I feel like we need to catch up. Do you want to come to my house on Thursday? And I was like, holy fuck, this shit works. And so I remember going to her house and she was just happy. Like, it's so hard to describe seeing the energy change in someone who was just genuinely happy. And I just kept looking at her like, you look happy. She's like, because I am. And it was just the most... <laughs> insane energy because I come from a real ego energy of hating myself and the voice in your head telling you you're a piece of shit and she looked happy I'm like what do you mean like I just don't fucking understand how how you're happy it was so foreign to me and she said look I'm studying kundalini yoga which is meditation chanting all this sort of stuff I was kind of blindsided she told me it was more like meditation and I'm like I fucking got this so she's like, come back next week. I'm in the middle of doing my final assignment for this. And I want, I want to be your mentor. Like I want to do this. This will be my honor to help you. And I was like, at that point in time, I didn't give a fuck. Like, I'm just like, however this works. And so I came back next Thursday. I remember sitting in Lotus, so cross-legged. And I don't remember much from the first part of the session. I just know that we did like a rebirth thing and it was everything in me was holding and not crying because crying is weakness and I don't cry. And that's the programming I've had. Um, and then I remember sitting cross-legged in Lotus and there was where you put your right hand towards you, like you hover it like maybe 20 centimeters from your chest and then you put your left hand out, like a stop sign kind of left. And you give love to the world out of your left and you get love to yourself out of your right. And I'm like, I did CrossFit. This is eight minutes. Like, I fucking got this, mate. Like, get comfortable. Like, <laughs> this will be a piece of piss. Um, <laughs> it was very, very far from a piece of piss. It was almost soul-crushingly hard. Um... 
I remember screaming at my hand, like, because it started to drop and shake and sweat was dripping off my elbow, like it was full on. But my hand giving love to the world didn't fucking sway, like it sat there and I could give love till the cows come home, but I couldn't give it to myself. And I'm screaming at my hand, like, stop fucking moaning. And Jess is looking at me going, why don't you just cry? And I'm like, I'm not crying. She's like, just cry, Carla. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. So I'm yelling at her now while her kids are asleep upstairs. And she's like, can you shut up? My kids are asleep. I'm like, no, fuck you. Like, I was just so angry that she'd put me in this position of absolute pain and emotional trauma. And at that point, I had what could only be described as horrific pain come out of my root chakra, go up my back. And it went all the way up my spine to the right side of my neck, came up my face and out my crown chakra. I was covered in raised red welts for an hour after this, which means I've obviously shifted something really heavy out of my root chakra. So root chakra, uh, food, shelter, warmth, past lives. So it's pretty fucking heavy of whatever I've shifted. It was so fucking uncomfortable. The pain, I can't even describe how painful it was. And by the end of it, like I made it to the end of it, but I was crying and screaming at my hand and in a shit ton of pain that she's like, you're done. And I literally crumpled to the floor in the fetal position and cried for about 10 minutes. And I, I'm not a crier. Like I just, I think it's my Capricorn moon and I have a lot of four energy in me that I'm like, no, you hold your fucking shit and you don't do it in public. Like I'm very controlled in how I am. It's half the reason I don't drink because I'm a control freak and um so I sat in the fetal position crying and then she just held space she didn't touch me she just let me do it as long as I needed to and she just held the space for me and then I got my shit together and I sat back in lotus ready for the next punch of this round of boxing and I could see someone And it was a knight in shining armor standing to her left. And Jess is in tune and she could feel the tingles. And she's like, I can feel them. Who are they? And I'm like, who the fuck's he and why is he here? And I said, all I can smell is roses. And he points to the back of your leg. And on the back of her leg was a memorial tattoo for her best friend, Benny who committed suicide maybe four or five years earlier. And he was a knight in shining armor saying he was looking after Phoenix, which is her son. And I'm like, why the fuck can I see him? And she's like, I don't know. And she was, she was the best person I ever could have had this experience with because she made me feel safe. She's like, there is nothing wrong with you. Ask him what he wants, communicate with him, talk to him. And she talked me through the whole thing. Because if I didn't have that, I don't know what would have happened. Because it was it was confronting to see a full apparition of like, like if you didn't know better, you would think they were real. Like a hologram. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? And then so that happened. Jess cried. We cried. It was actually his eight-year anniversary yesterday since he passed. And it's so strange because I have such a deep connection to him because he was the first person I ever saw. So love you, Benny. And we kind of just had that and we hugged it out and cried. And then we continued with the rest of the session. And then out of nowhere, 
I can see dead people. And the first probably week or two was really rough. They would sit at the end of my bed. They would touch me, which I am so not down with touching. Um, they would clear audience. So they would scream my name as if someone was singing. And I would look and no one would be there. I'd wake up to babies crying and I couldn't find the baby. Um, I just, it was shit. Honestly, like everyone's like, I want to awaken like you did. I'm like, no, you don't. I'm all for a, a slow, like not even general, but like a slow controlled awakening. Mine was like someone flicked on a light switch and boom, there's dead people. Like it was full on and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Um, I genuinely thought I was crazy for a while there and I kept my mouth shut to my family because I know their views on this sort of stuff. So it was just, it wasn't worth it. So I kept my mouth stuck shut then it started happening and I ended up reading more people just by pure accident like I would be talking to them and I would get a vision or I would see something and just I'd pass it on one of them was my good friend his name is Carl Paoli he is a gymnastics movement coach that sort of specializes in the CrossFit industry He's on Instagram if you want to follow him under the Freestyle Movement. Amazing podcast as well. He's just he's a he's a good egg, good energy. Um, I was talking to him on Instagram, uh, on um, Facebook chat, and I just got this full vision of his grandma. I gave him a full reading, and there was just too much stuff that there is no way I could have known. Like I'm a good Facebook like stalker from way back, but this shit I couldn't have known. So I was just kind of like okay there's something to this and then there were a few other things that happened connected to it that I'm like okay something's a bit iffy here and at this point in time too I still don't have a job so I'm living off love right now I have no money I have nothing and the amount of people that would go oh my god I would love a reading how much do you charge and I would go oh I don't do this as a thing I'll just read you because I didn't want to be known as the girl who spoke to dead people. It was just like, no, I'm not that girl. Thank you, but no thank you. And I got to the point that I told my family that I could see this and this is what was happening. And it was not well received. <laughs> oh, I can only laugh about it because that's all I can do. Um, still to this day, it's not overly well received. Um, which is fine. That's their journey. It's not my problem. Um, I have a few issues with my brother who thinks I have schizophrenia and that's why he voices and I should be in a, in a mental institution because his best friend's a doctor and they know everything. Yeah. So it's been a really, really tough coming out experience in this regards and like no one could possibly say anything to me that my own family haven't. Like, I am so fucking resilient because of my family that it's like, like, hit me with your best shot. Like, there is, I just don't give a fuck because I've had a training of just, it's been pretty fucked <laughs> in the nicest way possible, but that's okay. Everyone's got their shit. Mine happened to be my family. Um, anywho, then I had no job. And I was, like, not earning enough money. I was on the dole, which is, like, welfare in America. 
I was earning 230 bucks a week, which barely covered a car repayment and a phone bill. I came pretty close to getting my car repossessed. The tow truck showed up at the house. Like, it was pretty fucked. Like, to go from earning 80 to 120 grand a year to, like, 10. <laughs> like, shit was rough. It was the most character-building experience of my life. And, oh, I don't wish it on anyone. But this niggling, like, Carla, you need to read people. And it just flowed when I read people. Like, it wasn't hard. I didn't have to chase for it. Like, they just kept coming to me. But I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to be that person. Then I was so broke. Like, I'm literally, like, beyond poor. And I have people that want to pay me to read them. So I just kind of had a chat with the universe. And I was like, fine. If you want me to do this, give me a mentor. Give me someone that can guide me on this. Because I feel like I'm a lost puppy. And if I sit with this, I, if I go to a doctor and explain what's going on to me, it'd be like, boom, psychosis, psychosis, mental institution. Like there would be no gray. I would be medicated. So because that's what happens to the poor little healers and everything now is they're just getting medicated, which I feel like that'll be a whole nother blog uh, podcast, but whatever. Um... So I said, give me a mentor so I don't feel like I'm crazy. And about three hours later, I was sitting on Facebook because I love Facebook. And Lisa Williams, who had a show called Life Amongst the Dead, um, said that she was taking on mentoring in Australia and it was going to be held in Lilydale in Victoria. And I applied and walked away from the computer. I didn't think anything of it. I have now learnt how hard it is to get in and how many people she turned down so I was one of I think it was 15 of us maybe 15 or 16 and I was one of the people who got picked and you had eight weeks of of assignments and then you had a week-long practical in Victoria so it was the first time I've ever studied and actually loved it like I was getting A pluses for everything because it was just, it was easy. And I had a history of learning sucked dick. Like school was not enjoyable for me. They didn't engage the way I learned. So I really struggled with it. And it was just like school sucked. <laughs> like it just, I found it really challenging to be honest because I didn't learn the way they did. They didn't engage me. They didn't teach in a practical way. It was just dictation to a board. And if you didn't learn that way, you were dumb. So I was considered dumb to the point I just stopped trying because it was shit. So I, I actually fell in love with learning, which I never thought I would say because I was considered dumb. Common sense, like a champion. But book smarts, none. And that experience completely changed that for me where I felt like I can study this. I understand. Like I was reading a book a day. Like it was just, I, they call them quantum learning phases where you ignite something in you and you have to learn. I'm still in it. And it's been almost, oh, it's been over three years now where I just can't stop learning. And for someone who was considered so dumb, it really ignited something in me with this love of learning. But it also ignited that, there are people like me who live like this, who have partners and families that support it. And I felt like I was at home for the first time in my life. And, oh God, I'm going to cry. But it's the day I met Maya. And 
it was our first first day in Lilydale and it was um Australia Day a couple of years ago and it was Arctic. Like I'm talking fucking freezing. And I'm like I've come from like thirty-eight degrees to like fourteen. So I'm not dressed accordingly for this experience. I'm freezing. And so Lisa's gone through the rules, we're gonna do this, this and this, and everyone kind of introduced themselves very briefly. And then she took all the tables out and eight of us stood on one side of the room and eight of us stood on the other side of the room. And she goes, I want you to connect with someone's energy on the other side and I want you to walk directly to them and not speak to them. And I want you to give them the hug and say everything you think they need to hear. So I connected with Maya. She pointed at me like I'm coming to you. And I was like, okay, because that's who I was connected to also. And she hugged me and I literally cried for 20 minutes in her arms. Oh, I can't even talk because I'll cry. Even now, still not a cry. But she just made me feel loved. And that I was normal. And I was okay. Because my awakening had been so hard. It really had been. And I don't know how someone with without my gumption and resilience and fight could have made it through. It was rough. And to sit there and have someone tell you you're important and you matter when you've just had six months of being told you to shut your mouth and no one wants to hear what you have to say. It was one of the most life-changing experiences I've ever had was that hug. And I'm really lucky that Maya is one of my best friends now. She is a fucking legend. And I wish everyone would have someone like her. The rest of the week was... I was just amazing. Like... I just felt like these are my people, like I belong, this is amazing. But I still hadn't come out publicly and spoken about what I could do or how I could do it or what the experience was of being me. I still shut my mouth to make other people happy. And I know it purely comes from a place of fear. Because it was, wasn't that long ago. It was like the 1960s that they stopped killing witches. So if, like that fear is real. It's a past life fear that if you open your mouth, you will be killed for it. And I'm telling you now, I have it. And it's very, very real. That's why this podcast, I've danced around it for about six months. When I know they want me to do it, they've made it evidently clear that's what they want from me. But it scares the fucking shit out of me. To have any person around the world with a mobile phone listen to what I have to say freaks me out. Because, like, being killed for what you have to say or what you do or who you are, yes, it's a past life experience, but it's fucking real to me. So, anywho, leave therapy for another day. But I sat there on the last day and I had dinner with Maya 
Tonya, Lisa and Sylvia. And they were just like, what do you mean you haven't come out and told people? And I'm like, no, I'm still very in the closet. No one knows why I'm in Melbourne. Well, in Victoria. Like, I've literally not told a soul. And so their chat was kind of like, you got to own your shit. And Lisa looked at me and said, you got to own it and you got to own it big. So I sat with it and it maybe took me a day. And then I wrote a Facebook status saying, this is me and I don't give a fuck. And it was the most liberating status I've ever written. I went into great detail about what I do, how I do it and how it happened. I literally did it, put my phone down and walked away. I didn't check my phone for half an hour because I was not prepared to deal with people taking the piss, making it a joke and whatever else was connected to it. I literally walked away because I'm like, I've done it. I'm just putting it out to the universe. How it's received is, it's what it is. And at that point, I had... 27 private messages and a bunch of statuses of people really supporting it which shocked the fucking shit out of me because I'd had trial by fire and I booked I think it was 28 readings in 24 hours and it was the first time I went holy fuck these people are okay with this people actually want to hear what I have to say I can actually have a business doing this it was crazy. It just that day was intense. And it was one of the best days I've ever had. And that was three years ago now. I've since discovered during that time it was what they call Saturn Returns. And if you don't know what that is, I'll just give you a brief explanation. But old mate Google can help you out with Saturn Returns too. So it takes 20, 28, 28 and a half years for Saturn from the point of your birth to do the full loop around your natal chart. So for example, it takes 365 days for the sun to do it. Saturn, it takes 28 and a half years. So Saturn comes back to the point that you were born and it's basically like a karmic contract of are you living up to the life that you signed up for? So I obviously wasn't. I'd come in to be a psychic and a healer and a medium and heal people and pass on messages and all this sort of stuff and I was selling TVs (laughs) and mobile phones and all this technology this Uranus-based energy when really it's like no your job is this you signed an agreement of this so where so think of the tower card in tarot where it's like you build a tower a lightning hits the tower they destroy your tower and make you rebuild it better that's basically Saturn Returns But the beauty of this is Saturn Returns last two to three years. My Saturn Returns kicked my fucking ass. So the point that I started on this journey was the point that my Saturn hit my chart. So, and I have a pretty fucking horrific chart. (laughs) I, (laughs) oh, it's so awesome to be me. Um... I've had more than one astrologer look at my chart and go, that's the most intense chart I've ever seen. Because 
Saturn ran over my karmic story. So it ran over Pluto. It ran over the, the planet connected to my brother in the house of communication. Like it ran over it a few times. So I did really have a rough two years. And Saturn is also connected to money. So I was broke and getting... The only way I can describe it is I just feel like I was in a boxing ring and getting punched and knocked out and having to stand back up and getting punched and knocked out and stand back up. Like, it was two years of having my ass handed to me on every possible area of my life. <laughs> I just... When someone says they're going into Saturn Returns, I just I freak out for them because mine was so bad. But I've since learned not everyone has a Saturn Returns like I do. <laughs> mine was just of the horrific scale that other people had actually they're in alignment with what they're going to do they're on path with what they're going to do it's actually a really beautiful experience because they're in complete alignment I was not in alignment and I fought it and I fought it hard because I, I'm a big believer in if I want it go make it happen and then you've got divine will going Carla you sign this contract so it's a massive thing, which I feel like will be another pod coaster of, I'm going to manifest this, but your whole entire purpose is this. So it is very interesting. But I remember back to when I was 18 years old and I was at the Sunshine Coast visiting my grandparents and I was with my grandma and we went to go see some psychics at the Big Pineapple, as you do. And the lady who read me said, you're profoundly psychic and you're going to do what I do one day. And I looked at her and I laughed in her face. Yes, I feel like a bit of an asshole for that now. But I was 18 years old. My awakening didn't happen for another 10 years. I looked at her going, I'm not psychic. You're full of shit. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. What I would give to go back to that woman and apologize. And it taught me a valuable lesson that if I get something in a reading and the person goes, no, I learned to trust it. No, this is what I get. And I trust the divine. They, they haven't been wrong. So it's kind of like I've learned to absolutely have complete faith in what I get given. So it's an interesting dynamic. But that is me. That is how I started. This is why I do what I do. That I have I have such a bone of authenticity and integrity connected to me that I only do this for the highest and greatest good and that's kind of my story and it's to be continued so I will put a link on the blog as well blog the podcast I'm on fire today it's great um of how you can get in contact with me through my website if you did want to book a reading healing session all that sort of stuff a bit more about me but this was called for and people wanted to know so this is my awakening and it was the most worthwhile experience of my life. But if you were to ask me, oh God, if you were to ask me at the time, I was literally like, are you fucking kidding? This is ridiculous. So while you're going through it, it is not enjoyable. But when you come out the other end, it's, it's beautiful. So just be reminded of that if you're going through anything hard. There is always an ending. <sighs> but no worries, kids. Enjoy the rest of your day. 
I'm going to go hang out with Ollie Dog now since I've been crying like a big sook. <laughs>